unfolding of your words gives life. Please rise in honor of the reading of God's word. Our scripture passage this morning is taken from the second letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 5 to 6. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Please turn your workbooks now to page 40. We are going to talk about self-control as we continue with our 40 days of progress. So this is sermon number four, and the title of our message, Self-Control. Self-control, what is that? It sounds so simple and straightforward, perhaps even commonplace. It's not a flashy concept or an especially attractive idea. It doesn't turn heads or grab headlines. It can be as seemingly small as saying no to another cake, to another milkshake, to an extra rice, or a hello hello, <laughs> or to say no to another two hours of Netflix. Or saying no to five hours of just going through your Facebook and Instagram. Well, that's self-control. As simple as that. But its exercise is quite simply one of the most difficult, one of the most difficult things you can ever do as a Christian. Self-control is one of those important things that it is part of our progress next to goodness knowledge and then self-control now it is the climax of the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5 22 to 23 imagine this if you are filled with the holy spirit if the holy spirit is bearing fruit in you the climax is that you can do self control. It is one of the characteristics required for a church leader. Look at 1 Timothy 3.2 in the New Living Translation. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. It is also the mark, one of the marks, the absence of self-control is one of the marks of the last days, according to St. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. Notice this, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's amazing that this was written 2,000 years ago and it seems it's describing our generation today. That's how important self-control is. Now, what does the word self-control mean? Well, it means what we can read about it. The Greek word is egrateia, which literally means the restraint of one's emotions, impulses, or desires. Now, friends, it's not wrong to have desires. All of us who are alive and healthy, we all have desires. But we know that uncontrollable desires is the thing that causes us to sin. It's when these desires are out of its way. 
When these desires are moving us towards sin, then that's where we need self-control. Because we know anything in exists in our lives will be bad for us. Only our excess of our love for God will be good. Other than that, it will be bad. And so we need self-control. Now, according to David Mattis, self-control is simply that important, impressive, and nearly impossible practice of learning to maintain control of the beasts of one's own sinful passions. There's that beast inside of us that we have to tame. It means remaining master of your own domain, not only in the hunky-dory, but also when faced with trial or temptation. Self-control may be the epitome of easier said than done. Isn't that right? Erich Cortez, a person is self-controlled when he knows when to say yes and when to say no when your whole being tells you to do it. Friends, we all need self-control. There are areas in our lives that are beyond our control. And that is why we need this message. So this morning, we are going to learn three principles about self-control. And we are going to learn it from someone who has to learn it himself. St. Peter himself. We know his life. He is so impulsive. See? He speaks his mind. He speaks his emotion. One one moment, he is so filled with the Holy Spirit and declare, you are the son of the living God. Another moment, he's filled with Satan. <laughs> so that Jesus would have to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. He's so impulsive that in his anger, in his passion for our Lord, he cut one of the ears of the soldiers during the betrayal of Christ. He was that impulsive. See? He was so impulsive that he's one of the disciples who, who, who told Jesus Christ, you know, on that evening before his betrayal, Surely, Lord, I will not leave you. I will be here with you. I will die for you. But a few hours later, he's the same man who says, I don't know this man. I have nothing to do with this man. That's Peter. Now, near the end of his life, he wrote the second epistle. And there he said that as Christians, we add to our faith self-control. And when he wrote that, he knew what he's writing. Been there, done that. He's the man who needs the self-control, and he wants all of us Christians to practice self-control. Three principles about self-control. Number one, self-control deserves priority. It deserves priority. Can you imagine the critical use of self-control today? All known crime seemingly comes from the absence of self-control. Murder, road rage, rape, human trafficking, see? fights. Almost all these criminal records, it will trace us back to people who lost their what? Self-control. That's how important this. That is why it's a priority. When Jesus Christ told his disciples and people, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, notice the first requirement. You have to deny yourself. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, self-control is part of the denying of the self. When you say, what is the self? Well, the self is filled of evil. See? Jesus, you know, repeatedly taught his disciples that evil doesn't come from the outside, you know? It's not what comes inside your body that causes you to sin, but what, it's, it, what comes out from it. The deceit, the desires, when these desires are out of control, then sin takes place. 
And that is why Jesus said, if you truly want to be my disciple, if you want to enter the kingdom of God and be part of my discipleship team, you must be willing to deny yourself. And when Jesus says denying yourself, it means denying all those desires that are contrary to my will. See? You cannot call me Lord and say no. <laughs> In fact, someone said to say to Jesus Lord and tell him no is a big contradiction. See? When we say Jesus is our Lord, it means that we follow Him. All our desires, all our thoughts must be held captive to His Lordship. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. Deny yourself. And then in, in the book of Romans chapter 13, Paul is talking about how Christians should live. He's describing that the Christians ought to be different the Roman Empire was a time of unrestraint, full of sensuality, that anyone can just do anything what they want. It was a chaotic empire. You know, people want to do what they want according to all their wishes and desires. And that is why Paul says, if you are now in Christ, he says, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives see for all to see if if we want jesus to shine then let people see that the principles of christ are what reflected in us amen don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. In a way, Paul is simply talking about one thing. If you belong to the day, you must be self-controlled. Okay? You must be self-controlled. Don't let yourself think about the ways to indulge. See, So Paul is saying, if you want to follow Jesus Christ, learn to tame the beasts inside of you. Because even if we are saved, even if Jesus died for our sins, remember, as long as we are still trapped in this body of sin, this flesh continues to desire. And you know what I'm talking about. See? That's why in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I know what I want to do. I want to please the Lord. The things I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. And the things I want to do for the Lord, that I don't do. See? That's why Paul made you know, a conclusion. You know, what a wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of sin? And he answered his rhetorical question. Thanks be to the Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the beginning of how we can tame the beast inside of us. So it must be a priority. If you want to practice self-control, make it your priority. Start each day by telling yourself, control yourself, Maki. Not all your desires are pleasing to the Lord. Control, control, control. Second, self-control displays maturity. Self-control displays maturity. Why should I practice self-control? Why should I make every effort to practice self-control? Because that is how I display that I am growing in Christ. I cannot remain a baby forever. A lot of us here, you know, we are beautifully growing old, maturing as far as physical is concerned. But what about our spiritual life? Some of us are already 60 years old, senior citizens physically, but kindergarten spiritually. You know, we are still acting immature. See? But self-control is one of those manifestations of what? That we are truly maturing in Christ. Now, 
Paul was in the island of Crete one of his, in his, one of his missionary journey. And there in the island of Crete, he, he planted a church, left a disciple there by the name of Titus. And he wrote this letter you know, to Titus so that Titus could organize this so small congregation there. And the theme of Titus is basically self-control. <laughs> you know why? Because the Cretans, they, they have this reputation. The Cretans are what? Are always excessive in everything. They just want to do what they want. See? They, they are an epitome of, of uh, happy-go-lucky people. See? And that is why when Paul wrote this letter to Titus, you can see it from every age group that Paul is saying, be self-controlled, be self-controlled. Don't be like the rest of your island men, the Cretans. See? Notice this. He starts with the elders. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Take note, if some of us will be, you know, later on, Okay, as we mature in faith, some of us will be nominated as a deacon or as an elder. Please take note. You know, these are the biblical requirements. Not quick-tempered. In other words, you don't get mad easily. Right? Not given to drunkenness. In other words, drunkenness should not be part of your lifestyle. Mingka pastor, occasional drinker ramangko, okay? How many occasions do you have every night? Night occasion. That's not the lifestyle of a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, right? What else? Rather, he must be what hospitable, one who loves what is good and who is what self-controlled. See, a pride, holy, and disciplined. Now. Notice the other age group in chapter 2. Teach the older men. Okay, where are the older men here? Walay ni Angkon. Men sila. Okay. Alright. Older men, teach older men to be temperate. Worthy of respect. Again, self-controlled. Sound in faith, in love, and endurance. See? It's a sign of maturity. Likewise, teach the older women. Where are the older women? Oh, six rakabuok ang older. Okay, oh, na seven. Nakalimot si Mami Aida ay older day. <laughs> Alright. Listen, older women. Be reverent in the way that you live. Not to be slanders or addicted to much wine. Can you imagine? This was not a description to the men, but to the women. Now we know the Cretans. <laughs> in, in the island of Crete, the women were drinkers of wine. <laughs> See? Not addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women. Notice this. You older women, you practice self-control so that you can teach younger women to love their husbands and children. I want you to understand the dynamics here. The discipleship. See? How they live their lives. They follow the, the, the elderlies. That should be the case in our church. You know, the older we get, the better we become as Christians. So that the younger generation could always look up to us. I want to be like ate and kuya. Like nanay and tatay. See? That's what we do as a church. You know, we simply live the self-controlled life so that the younger generation can follow. Alright? Teach them to be self-controlled. The older women were teach to be self-controlled. The older men, the younger men, yes. Self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the Word of God. See? How important it is that younger women, listen, Wives, be subject to your husbands. It's not just for your own sake. It's not just for your husband's sake. But it's God's sake. Notice this. 
so that people will not malign the word of God. See the connection there? God says, you wives, you submit to your husbands because when you do that, you are not doing it for your own sake, but for the sake of the body of Christ. Similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled. Paul repeats that word again and again and again. And then, here's, here's the, the summary of everything that Paul wants to say. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, what does that grace do? Now, this is the, this is the purpose of why God gave us the grace. Notice this. It. What's that it? The grace of salvation. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Amen? That's the beauty of grace. Friends, you and I, we don't have the capacity to say no to the things we desire. Right? I mean, it's, it's my body. That's what the world tells. This is my body. I can do anything with it. But if you're a Christian, wrong. So if you're a Christian and, and, and you post this in your Instagram and in your Facebook that this is my body, I can do anything with it, you don't know what you're saying. Because that body of yours has been bought with the blood of Christ. Remember what Corinthians says? Honor God with the use of your body. Only an unbeliever can say that this is my body. But if we are Christians, we have to say no to things that will destroy the body, the soul, and the spirit that God has purchased. Amen? So say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. See? We're not saying that when we are born again, we no longer have worldly passions. That's wrong. The passions are still there. The difference, we now have a different way of living. We have to say no. My body tells me this is beautiful. My body tells me this is lovely. My body tells me this is desirable. But the Holy Spirit and the grace of God tells me no. See? Now, whose, whose voice you're going to listen now? Your voice or the Spirit's voice? See? It teaches us it teaches us to say no. That's what self-control is all about. So that we can live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Now, notice the next verse. Because this is very important. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, we are waiting for the most wonderful event in the history of mankind the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting for the rapture of the church. And Paul is saying, the best way to prepare yourself for the rapture, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, is to live self-controlled lives. See? Be self-controlled. The, the idea of Paul is this. You don't want, you know, can you imagine yourself, Jesus Christ comes and you are engaged in something immoral. Jesus Christ comes and you are so drunk in a party. Did you kapil? See? That's the point. So if I'm a Christian, if I'm going to be wise, and you know, there's, there's some invitation, and you know, I love this. You have to think, what if Christ comes in the middle of the party and I'm so drunk? You know, I would be embarrassed. See? So I should say no. Sorry, you know, this is nice, but I have to say no. I have to control myself. See? Why? My control of myself is not just for myself. It's for the Lord that I'm serving. Amen? It's for the Lord. So it has to become a priority. Okay? Second, it must be a display of what? Of my maturity. But then... There's a third and most important thing because we know that self-control is easier said than done. <laughs> there must be a strategy. Alright? You cannot just say, well, I'll, I'll practice self-control now. You know, After this service, I can now be self-controlled. I hope so. <laughs> See? It demands a strategy. Amen? 
It demands strategy. Now, there are five things here in our notes. The first thing we have to understand is this. That's why the Holy Spirit was given on the first place. Because Jesus knew that we cannot live and follow Him and deny ourselves and take up our cross unless the Holy Spirit helps us. So ask for the Spirit's help. That's why He was given. Remember John 14, 26? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to you, to your remembrance, all things that I said to you. You see, friends, once we are enjoying the passions and our desires of our bodies, you will soon forget the words of God. See? It's too late for you to remember verses when you are already in the trap of the devil. That's why the Holy Spirit is there. See? He will teach you. He will remind you. He will prompt you. He will give you the signal. Mm, mm, mm. You're approaching a dangerous zone. Right? Somebody said, it was Mark Twain who says, it is easier to stay out, you know, it's to stay out of the trouble than to escape it. <laughs> Escaping it is difficult. Staying out of it, that's the best way. Because once you are there, it would be very hard. It's going to be, the, the battle inside the trap of the devil is going to be fierce. Then, you are still outside. So don't enter. Alright? But we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, you know, when Paul was talking about the fruit of the Spirit and, and the climax of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. So Paul says, so I say, live by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Now, how do we live by the Spirit? Well, Paul, in, in, another, in another book, Ephesians 5.18, explains to us what it means to live in the Spirit. It is synonymous to saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. That's, that's the parallel passage. Be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can live, you can walk. In other words, friends, living by the Holy Spirit means living under the influence, under the control under the familiarity of the Spirit in your Christian life. You always think about Him. You always acknowledge that He's there. That's how you live. And Paul says, if you do that, and this is in the present tense, meaning to say it has to be a continuous living in the Spirit. You know the result? Paul says, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See? It's so easy, which is easy for us to do. It's always easy to follow our desires. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verse 17, The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the sinful nature. That's why in each of us, listen, in each of us, there is this conflict. Alright? The conflict between me following the Spirit and my sinful nature telling me, do this. So there is a tug of war going on in our lives daily. Alright? And where you yield determines who wins. Are you going to yield to your own desires? You know the result. Or you are going to delay it. See? Are you going to have your desires now or delay it? And then Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. The pinnacle, self-control. According to Paul to the Galatians, you know when the Holy Spirit is helping you when you are able to control yourself. Amen? If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, verse 25, by the Holy Spirit's power, let's follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, that's what it means to live by the Spirit. Okay? Following His leading. 
You have to listen. See? You have to listen because the Spirit, if He's present there, He will always prompt us. And usually, I don't know with you, but usually in my case, how do I know if the Spirit is prompting me that, you know, this is wrong? My heart starts to beat faster. And then you feel something else, like guilt, see? Because if you don't have that, you can easily do something. But if you know that the Spirit is there, because He will always make all these warning signs in our sense that this is wrong. I know this is wrong. But then yourself is telling you, yeah, it's wrong, but you can enjoy it. See? Deal with the problem later on. See? Instant gratification is usually what leads us to sin. Delayed gratification, that's self-control. Alright? Now, the Bible says, for the Spirit of God gave us the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but give us what? Power, love, and notice this, self-discipline. Okay? A person who is helped by the Holy Spirit knows how to discipline himself. Second, adjust your thoughts. Adjust your thoughts. Why our thoughts is necessary? Because we know that our mind is the CPU. <laughs> All our desires are here, right? We know that. Everything that we do comes from here. We know that spiritually and we know that physiologically. You know, we have doctors here. That is why if you are a brain dead, even if all your body functions, you know, all your organs are well, if the brain is dead, what happens? You can't do anything. You're a vegetable. The same thing with the spiritual life. If we want to change the way we live, our actions, our desires, we have to adjust our thoughts. That's why Peter says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. I love what Peter said there. See? If you know that there's going to be a war going on between following God's will and the will of your desires, of your own desires, of my own desires. Paul says, uh, Peter rather, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. And then he says, be self-controlled. Eh? It involves the mind. We have to adjust the mind. Paul in Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior, the customs of this world. And remember, we read already Romans 13, when he says of this world, he's talking of the unrestrained world. The world whose, whose primary principle is do whatever you feel good. It's your life. It's your body. Do whatever you want. That's not the kind of lifestyle a Christian should have. See? We don't follow our whims. We follow His will. And that's why Paul says, but let God transform you into a new person. How? The changing of the way you think. See? Changing the way you think. And there's a Greek word for that. The Greek word for that is metanoia. Meta means change. Noia, news, knowledge, the mind. And you know the English word for metanoia? Repentance. That's the Greek word for repentance. So what is repentance? It's changing the way I think. I need to change the way I think. Because I... Sometimes it seems easy for us because of the things that we, we allow to enter our minds, the movies we watch, the music we listen, alright? Friends, we have to be discriminating. You know, I love watching movies. You know, I love when it comes, you know, when I preach my last service Sunday evening, it's my Netflix time, Sunday evening. But we have to be discriminating. See? Because... Not everything there are good. Sometimes people are injecting principles, worldly principles to appear normal. See? They look normal, but then they are slowly injecting wrong principles and teachings. That's why we have to be discriminating. See? I need to change the way I think. Lord, 
this is not the way you taught us in the Bible. Okay? That's how we try to function or to exercise self-control. Change the way you think. Now, Romans 8.5 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, in other words, these are the people, in other words, they allow their sinful nature to dominate their lives. See? What happens? They think about the sinful things. <laughs> but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that pleases the Spirit. You see? So, our goal, so, so my mind, how do I adjust my mind? We need to make a commitment. You know, we, we need to make a covenant that, Lord, help me, Lord, that everything that I do must be pleasing to you. See? Because that's what the mind controlled by the Spirit does. It pleases the Spirit. Okay? Look at verse 8. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never, listen to that, never please God. They can never please God because they're always following their desires. See? So men, you know, you know your desires, men. You know they are wrong. Control them. Women, be careful when you go to Ayala, to SM. Okay? Mag-window shopping rako. Okay? So more than I meaning around sa window shopping. Mag window shopping rako. So anything I can find in the window, I'll shop. See? Self-control. Philippians 4:8. So what should we do then? How do we adjust? We need to allow the word of God to influence, changing to change our mind. But look at Philippians 4:8. Now, dear brothers, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See? So we have to deliberately fix our thoughts. We have to discipline our thoughts. See? That is why, friends, listen. If you're a man, you say, men, if, if your weakness is your, in our, your sexual pleasures, you see, if your sexual urges are too high than the normal and your gauge is broken, you then please, listen, this is application, please refrain from watching movies. Of course, what's nice with movies right now, na amagin nakasuat, R18. See? Nagin na nakasulat. Ang palabas na ito ay may di ba? Oh, sexual. Droga. <laughs> we have that. The M what's that? M MTRCB. Those are good. So, you know, you don't think that it's just for the kids. No. It's telling us if I'm a Christian and my weakness is about you know, those sexual stuff then I have to starve my brain with the food. See, that's the food for the brain. Okay? That's why more rapes are happening. And not just rapes, domestic rapes. Why? Because all the food for the sinful mind are available in the internet, in their phones. And the mind cannot stop thinking. Surely this mind will look for an outlet. O kinsa may outlet. Toa intoy bata dito, toy anak, si mama ning nangumpra. That's where rapes happen. See? That's why, as Christians, we have to fix our thoughts on what is right. See? You cannot trust yourself. See? Trust Jesus, not yourself. Number three. After adjusting the way we think, acquire new habits. Acquire new habits. They say the only thing you can replace bad habits is when you always acquire new habits. Because if you simply remove a bad habit and it's vacuum, what will happen? It will go back. See? An idle mind is the devil's best working place. See? So you have to replace them. That's why 
Paul says, Ephesians 4.21, If you have really heard His voice and learned from Him the truth concerning Himself, in other words, if you knew Jesus Christ, you, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, notice the first thing that Paul does, then throw off your old evil nature, the old that you... That, that was a partner in your evil ways, rotten through and through, full of lust and sham. Okay? Throw it. But then, it doesn't end with throwing. Now, your attitudes and thoughts must all be, tanawa, constantly changing for the better. You know what the Bible is saying? You start to itemize the bad things in your life, flash it off your system, Remove them. But then, you have to start replacing. Constantly changing for the better. Yes, you must be a new and different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. And then from verse 25, and I don't have time. You read that yourself. From verse 25 to 32, Paul gives uh, the new habits. He says, before you were stealing... No more stealing. But then Paul has to say, start working. Alright? Before, you're, you're easily mad. Now, don't let the sun go down when you're angry. In other words, stop having grudges in your heart. Before, you were used to say, speaking bad language. Before, you were, it was part of your life because that's what you hear from your friends. Now that you're a Christian, speak only what is helpful and will give blessing. See, there's always that remove this, but then replace this. Before, you're always, you, you were always mean and judgmental. You know, you were so unkind. Now, be kind, compassionate. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, that's how we practice self-control. Remove the bad habits, replace them with something new. That's why... Paul in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. The idea there for training, the Greek word there for train, you know, gymnao, where we get the word gymnastics. Alright? You exercise. In other words, you need to have this habit because we know that when we go to the gym, it becomes a habit, Right? We don't just say, well, I'll go to the gym as I want. No, there's a schedule because you're paying for it. Paul is saying the same way. Make that a habit. Make a new habit, see? Replace bad habits with new ones. All right, fourth, avoid tight spots. Usually, the crime happens. There's a pattern, right, in our spiritual life. When your problem is sugar... And usually, you know the places where you get them. So don't get near them. That's why Sharon knows this. I don't like to go to the mall. <laughs> Except when, you know, family gathering. You know why? Because when I'm inside, when I'm inside, you know, the store, it's so hard for me to say no to myself. <laughs> when I like something, you know, I want to get it. That's why I don't like to go. Temptation zone. See? Avoid. See? So when, when, when I'm not in the mall, I know I will not be spending things that are unnecessary. See? But the problem now is that buying doesn't happen only in the mall. Because there's Lazada. The Busai. The plants in Busai. All right? Avoid tight, tight spots. Okay, Shana Libowitz said, disciplined people are better at structuring. Like, I like this. Structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self-control. How do you do that? In other words, they spend less time in tempting situation. You don't have to be heroic. You know, I have the willpower to do this. Yeah. When you're there, Really? You just have to avoid those things, those places. Proverbs 4, 14 to 15. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. 
Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. See? It's like the writer of Proverbs is, is really emphasizing. Not, he's, not, he's not yet satisfied with don't set your foot. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. If you can make a U-turn, please make a U-turn. Because once you're there, you're trapped. That's the idea. Avoid. If we want self-control, we have to avoid places. We have to avoid food. In fact, sometimes you have to avoid people. If you know that it's the people that leads you to sin, then avoid. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives. We have to guard our ways. Right? First Thessalonians 4, 3 to 4, we had this in our first lesson. It is God's will. What is God's will? It is God's will that we should be what? Sanctified. Another way of saying it, that we should be holy. That's why, what should we do? Avoid sexual immorality. Man, you know how to avoid. See? You see, the problem now is, is that temptation is becoming closer and closer to us. Before, it's simply avoiding places. Now, it's in our cell phone. See? That's how the devil is making it so easy for temptations to come. There was a time that for men to commit sin, they have to go to places. Now, they don't have to go anywhere. They just have to be there in specific websites. See? We need to avoid. If you can control yourself sexually, you can control yourself, period. <laughs> See? Because if you notice, why is it that in almost all the letters of Paul and Peter, it's, it always boils down to sexual immorality? Why? Because that's, that's the spot where the devil can make all men under his dominion. Maybe including women. But I think mostly for the men. Okay? Sexual immorality. Uncontrollable desires for sex. What is sexual morality, the pastor? Again, I already told you, there's only one sexual morality. Morality. What is that? Having sex with your spouse. That's all. Any, any form of sex outside your wife or your husband is called immorality. Right? Period. Now, let's go to the fifth. Okay? Accept the process. Accept the process. What do you mean by accept the process? David Jeremiah said, if you mess up, don't give up. Learning self-control is a process. You won't master it all at once. Accepting the process means you need to understand that it will take time. All right? Don't give up easily. You know, fight the fight. Friends, sometimes our fight against a particular sinful desire means a lifetime of fighting. The problem with some Christians is that they give up easily. They easily fall into the trap of the devil is that, you know, I was made by God this way. I've been fighting. Now it's time for me to go out to the public and say, this is me. I embrace myself. And a lot of people, congratulations. Wrong. You don't congratulate a person like that because that person is simply what? Quitting the battle. That's totally opposite in the Christian perspective because in the Christian perspective is this. If I know that my feeling is wrong, I have to fight it with all my life. That's what it means to, you know, accept the process. Now, Proverbs 24, 16, For though the righteous fall seven times, look at, look at this, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. See? The point of this is this. Friends, if you know that God is the one that we need to please and not our desires, see? It is God's will, not our desires. Then we have to deliberately make a commitment that I have to fight this desire for all my life. 
Amen? I know that this is what I want, this is what I desire, this is what makes me happy, but when I'm a Christian, it's not my happiness that matters, it's the happiness of my God. See? We have to embrace it's a process. Don't stop the process. Don't quit too easily. Let me close with this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles. And by the way, the word troubles there can also be translated temptation. But not crushed. Amen? And broken. We are perplexed because we don't know what, why things happen as they do. But this is the, the, the best part. Paul says, we don't give up and quit. Amen? Friends, the world is like a big pressure cooker. <laughs> it's pressuring us. Pressuring us to do things. Pressuring us to tell us, you know, that's what you desire. That's who you are. You know, feel free to do it. That's the world. Fight it. Because it's not the pressure of the world that is important to you and to me. It's the pleasure of our King. It's the pleasure of our God. That's why anything that will disrupt that pleasure of God, we have to fight it with all our might because that's what it means to progress in our faith. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we know we fight temptations a lot everywhere. But we need your help, Lord. We need the assistance of your Spirit. Guide us every way. In fact, Lord, direct our paths. Lord, when you know that we're walking towards danger, when we are walking towards places, people where we can commit sin, Lord, please redirect us. Help us to make a U-turn so that we don't have to fight the fierce fight if we can escape it. Teach us, Lord, to practice self-control. Many things can happen in our lives today when the beast inside of us is controlled by your Spirit. It is only by your grace that we can do that. In Jesus' name, Amen.